Higher Up was created to actually help bridge the gap for many young people that face significant uh, barriers to employment. So our platform exists to help companies uh, find talent that they otherwise wouldn't have, have found. So we call it untapped talent. That talent just happens to face barriers. Uh, we've had folks who have lived the experience of homelessness, who have faced trauma, uh, who have uh, addictions, mental health challenges. So what we do is we go and we partner with community service agencies all across Canada who already serve clients in need. And then what we do is we onboard them to our platform. Mm-hmm. Um, we work on assessing them and then matching them to various different employment opportunities. And that's where we come in where we actually go out and find uh, employers all across Canada who want to hire, want to find talent, want to find good talent, but also want to feel good about the work that they're doing and knowing that that they're actually hiring and giving back all at the same time. So when we find these employers, we onboard them to the platform. They post and share their opportunities, uh, whether it's in Toronto, whether it's in St. John's, Newfoundland, Victoria, BC. And then from there, uh, our young people apply for uh, different job opportunities. Uh, once they get employed, uh, one of the things that we do is we give partnership, partnerships with our agencies to make sure that every single one of the clients has up to uh, six months of post-employment support if they need it okay. to make sure that it's not just about getting the job, it's about keeping the job as well. So we're about sustained employment. Fantastic. That's sort of, yeah, that's about higher up in a nutshell. Brilliant. I mean, it sounds like a, an entire if you like, ecosystem of support for, for youth and young people. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the goal. I mean, the goal is to bridge that gap and to make sure that people are getting opportunities and, and to recognize that even though someone may face a barrier, it doesn't necessarily preclude them from being a really good employee. Of course. Awesome. So you mentioned, um, mentioned the relationship with the employers, and there's a term that you use on your website, which is social impact hiring. Can you just flesh that out a little bit more for, for me and, and for the listeners? What does, that, what does that mean? And actually, why should it matter to employers? Yeah, I mean, it should matter. The, 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 the term really for us essentially means hiring for impact or, or hiring someone that faces one or more barriers to employment. And, and why it should matter is because we all know how much it matters for companies to be socially responsible these days. People talk a lot about concepts like shared value, work of your CSR programs, but it's also the work that you do in and throughout your company in terms of how you build good products that are good for the world, how, how your company is green. Uh, I, we see the same thing in terms of hiring. We see hiring being a, a very big opportunity for companies to give back in a meaningful way because giving someone an opportunity, a job, that's sort of a, a hand up, not a hand out. And, and that's the best way to give back, right? So if you know that your company can hire, can hire someone that is talented, that can do the job, um, at the same time, you know that you're actually making a meaningful contribution to your community. Uh, for us, it just makes too much sense. And I think that the companies we work with, I think it makes sense to them as well. Of course. No, again, that sounds, that sounds a bit... Too, almost too good to be true. It's such a such a great idea for the marketplace. Um, and what was the that initial spark of the idea? What made you sit up one day and think, "This is what I need to do"? Impact Corporation, and that company was doing a a project for one of its clients. It was actually the Home Depot, and they were developing their CSR strategy and focusing it really on youth homelessness uh, within Canada. And while doing that work. Paul kind of sort of saw the sort of gaps that there were for a lot of young people that were facing significant barriers. So 
obviously youth, youth being homeless face, uh, you know, a lot of significant barriers. And so kind of hatched this idea for higher up. Uh, since that time, uh, we've added three other co-founders and we've been building out the team. But really that sort of that initial genesis was from an, an, another company having a different project and then higher up now operates as its own uh, entity, uh, but sort of started out um, from uh, that, that initial idea. Oh, fantastic. So it sounds though it's been very much sort of incremental growth and piece by piece over a period of time then. Yeah, it has been. I mean, initially started out as being, you know, mostly geared towards uh, only young people with the experience of homelessness. Uh, initially, it was just a job board. Now we're working on, you know, tr- you know, trauma-informed support. We're, we're working on uh, the support pieces to ensure that when people get work, they sustain the work. So as we've been building, we've been kind of identifying new gaps, <laughs> new <laughs> things that we need to work on, and sort of been been filling those in as we grow and as we learn. Because, I mean, it, it, you know, as anything, any, any startup, regardless of your social impact or not, you know you're going to learn a lot about uh, uh your service offering, you're going to learn about your customers, you're going to learn about your clients as you actually build the thing you're working on. And I think we're, we're no different. Of course. And um, I would imagine then it's very much about keeping that flexibility as you, as you grow and being open to new changes and adapting as things change. Absolutely. I mean, and, and right now we're only in Canada, but we've already had interest in the U.S. So, I mean, as wow. we hopefully go into the U.S., uh, we would obviously need to make the necessary changes as well. I mean, so we were down at a conference with uh, 35 major retailers, and uh, we were one of three startups. And the other two were not social impact businesses, but the, the companies were just like, we need talent. We have a huge shortfall of entry-level talent, and uh, they were looking for different sources uh, of where to find them. So. I think uh, in many cases, you know, a lot of companies may use us for the social per- uh, purpose sort of perspective, but in other cases, companies may look at us simply as just another hiring solution, and why not? I think we, we do both. Cool. And I mean, certainly looking through all the information on your, your website and reading up around you guys, it certainly seems like you have got that very clear purpose and very clear um, piece for businesses, i.e. it's easy to hire, but then you've got that extra added value that takes you above and beyond some of the other practitioners in the space. Absolutely. At least we hope so. At least we think so. It sounds brilliant. So how does the service actually work? I mean, how would um, a young person find work through you, for example, and how do you then work with them to get them ready for employment, especially if they've been out of, out of the work loop for a while? Yeah, no, it's a great question. We get asked this all the time. So what we what we do is, is very different in that we're not really an open platform for anyone to just go and sign up today. Um, what we what we actually do is we partner with community agencies who are already working on the front lines with young people uh, to ins- and and the reason we do that is because we're a few people in an office in Toronto. We're trying to build a technology based solution to bring them, uh, to sort of make sense of this entire ecosystem and to help aggregate the talent pool uh, and aggregate the services. Uh, But really what we do is we partner with these agencies who are already on the front lines working with clients and so we'll partner with an agency that may be providing housing support but then we're like well why don't you also utilize us to link your young people to employment and so any of their clients can onboard to our platform and then from there we work individually with our organizations to ensure that the, the right sort of pre-employment supports are provided. So many of our agencies provide uh, you know, two weeks of pre-employment training, uh, resume support, job support, sort of sometimes you know, job skills workshops, depending on the various different opportunities. Uh, we work with some of our employers as well, identifying what are some of the trainings or things that may be worthwhile 
uh, and sort of making those available and accessible. Whatever barrier that, that was sort of holding them back is being addressed, right? So, sure. you know, it would, I think it would be sort of reckless for us to go and say, okay, well, uh, you're currently having a lived experience of homelessness. You should get a job without having someone actually there to make sure that that person has sort of supportive or subsidized housing uh, first because that is really critical um, for anybody uh, who's going to go into work. So that's just one example. But we, we make sure that it's holistic in terms of the wraparound supports. Employment is one piece, but it's one piece of many. Uh, and by working with community providers, we can ensure that the whole, um, the whole, the whole holistic um, sort of um, support is there. So that's sort of the how higher up works and how how people can can use our services. Yeah. So if you're a young person looking to use higher up and you identify as someone who believes they have a barrier to employment, uh, I just recommend going to one of our community agency partners who already work with us. Mention you're interested in using higher up. You'll get the the support that they provide, and you also get access to our platform. So that's sort of the the process. Oh, great. No, thank you for that. And again, looking through all the information that um, you've got out there at the moment, there's a piece, I think, on your website saying that you're developing a trauma-informed assessment tool to help youth into work. What is one of those? What What does it do, and how does it fit into your overall offer? I think at Higher Up, we really believe that predictive talent uh, analytics is actually going to be a big uh, sort of tool for uh, us to help folks that face barriers get into employment because we can kind of you know scrape away the things that may be holding people back that may traditionally bias hiring managers or screen out candidates and really try to present our candidates in the best of light by, by not focusing on maybe their past or maybe their lack of work experience in some cases, but really focusing on the things that they can do really well, so highlighting their, their potential. Uh, Trauma-informed comes in uh, because many companies do actually have these types of tools, but they're not necessarily developed in, in what we call a trauma-informed way. Uh, and so we've had many cases where uh, we've had young people who have done some of these uh, assessments that some of the companies offer, and sometimes it can actually trigger, uh, based on the questioning, the wording of a question, can actually trigger a past experience. I see. So what we're trying to do is develop and get the same information, but do it in a way that will not trigger anyone uh, based on, so it's, it's, it's why it's called trauma-informed. So we've actually got two of our team members working on that tool. Uh, it's already been developed, it's now in testing, uh, but yeah, so that's sort of part of, uh, and you mentioned a government uh, grant contribution, part of that government grant contribution was towards developing that tool. Ah, I see, and I mean, again, it sounds so much like you're developing a really kind of person, person-centered approach, and the fact that you're then looking at what may or may not trigger um, some different emotions I just think that's brilliant. So congratulations to you and the team. And obviously congratulations on getting, what was it, $400,000 of government investment last year? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we did. It was it was really neat. Um, you know, we, we had been working on that for about a year. It took us, it took, it took us about a year to, wow. to, to secure. And, and, and so, you know, a lot of these things take time. But we were really happy. The, the government grant contribution, uh, which is coming from ESDC, Employment Social Development Canada, uh, and it's part of their Innovative Solutions to Homelessness funding stream. Uh, I, I believe we were one of, I, don't quote me on this, but one of, if not the only for-profit social enterprise to, to be eligible or receive that grant. So wow. that was really neat for us. And um, and we are now working on, like I said, using that to develop this tool. We're using that as well uh, to work on some other new, exciting, innovative projects. So really utilizing that grant to build up some of the technology pieces uh, of the work that we're doing. 
On the AI side, we're relatively, uh, you know, we're relatively new in this space right now in terms of our research, but uh, we've got a few different ideas ourselves. And part, like you said, part of our government grant contribution is going towards R&D in this area. So for us, you know, we see um, support, uh, in particular sort of the post-employment support, uh, as being one of the key value propositions that we have for employers. Employers care a lot about retention. Uh, and for us, you know, what's, that's what makes our business model so exciting is that as we increase social value, uh, which is getting people into sustained employment, it actually increases economic value. So, you know, at, you know, I, I like the sort of the alignment there between, you know, driving social value and economic at the same time. And, and so for, and so for us, the AI side is maybe a way and avenue to sort of augment what our agencies are already doing on the ground. So uh, when I talk about what AI can do for us, I mean, right now what we're exploring, in uh, one side we're exploring sort of trauma, uh, sorry, uh, we're exploring the trauma-informed assessment, but also exploring sort of um, a diagnostic tool as well in terms of what supports can be utilized and, and leveraging sort of, I, I call, you know, big data, like leveraging data from other cases from other agencies or, you know, we, you know, plug into big data sets to actually understand, you know, what are the sorts of interventions that would be required for an individual based on this circumstance and then comparing it to other cases. So that's something that we're trying to do is sort of unfragment the data that, you know, there's a lot of data out there and sure. trying to make sense of it. So that's a bit of a work in progress, but it's something that we're doing is we're trying to partner with uh, various different uh, organizations and get access to different data sets to sort of make sense of all that. The other thing that we see being a big piece of potential uh, value that we could add as well, and I speak to this you know, pretty early on, um, granted this is not currently uh, part of our, our value offer, so not currently something that's out there, but we see ourselves as potentially having a sort of a client engagement tool so that when a, when a person gets employment, that we'd actually use an AI to continually engage with that individual, see how they're wow. doing, see how they're performing. And then if, if there were ever a, a moment where there needed to be a human intervention, uh, the service agency would be notified, would have real-time data analytics on how someone's doing. Because I think for us, uh, one of the challenges we have, and it's a challenge that a lot of community agencies have, is is resource capacity and constraints. And so sure. someone may get employed, uh, and the community agency is doing their absolute best to to sort of stay in the loop and, and follow up with individuals. But, you know, it, it, it always happens, or happens quite often, quite frequently, where people slip between the cracks, or, you know, they don't hear from them in a week or two weeks yes. or, or a month. And so really we just see this as being a, a tool to augment the work that's happening and for us strike a, a balance between the human interaction and sort of AI interaction because, you know, we can't replace the work of humans. Like we can't replace the fact that, you know what, you know, especially human services, you, yep. you know, job developers, counselors are so important, uh, having a face to work with. I mean, we're not saying that that's not important. We're saying that that is critical, but uh, just like AI is augmenting that work that's happening in healthcare, it's augmenting the work lawyers do. I think it can also augment the work that we do in human services. And I think for us, that adds a ton of value if we can prove that that's actually keeping people in work longer and we're tracking it better. Sure, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And to my, to my mind, that's very much about using technology to then help all the sort of human beings in the system do their best work and freeing up potential across the system. I and mean, what, a, what a great use of technology. So yeah. So yeah, exactly. So the government guard is also going towards that. So that that's part of our our R and D efforts right now. So it, what's really neat about us is that we've got sort of a couple people that are sort of operationalizing what we have now and making it work. And 
you know, building a business, but we've also got about half our team that's working on R&D and trying to build the future of what we, you know, of what higher up could be. Wow. Awesome. So definitely, yeah, definitely a, a company to watch. I'm going back to the, the government investment for a minute. Obviously, you said you've yep. been working on it for a year to, to bring it to fruition. What do you know now that you wish you'd known then to sort of make, the, make the process a bit easier? What, any sort of shortcuts that might help other social impact businesses listening in? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's really tough. I mean, you know, there's not much that, you know, we could have known then. I think, you know, maybe just being more ready to be in it for the long haul. <laughs> I think, you know, you know, at the end of the day, government has its, you know, when they announce a fund, they typically have their dates um, and they sort of stick to it, right? I mean, there's nothing yeah. you can do to sort of accelerate it. You know, when it gets announced, it is what it is. The dates are what they are. Uh, and, and, and sort of just acknowledging that and understanding that. But at the end of the day, uh, for us, it was such a huge opportunity. And, sure. you know, the thing that I'd recommend, I guess, is just keep your pulse on, on sort of these government grants or any grant, whether it's a foundation, depending depending on the structure of your company, that dictates how you could probably go out and finance your social enterprise. So how you'd finance a nonprofit uh, or, or charitable social enterprise may be very different than how you'd finance a for-profit social enterprise, especially a technology-enabled one. So, you know, keeping your, you know, your sort of like, I guess, tabs on the different opportunities that are out there. Uh, if you're a nonprofit, you know, charitable organization, obviously a lot of foundation funding that may be out there and available for you, a lot of uh, charitable funding through corporations that may be available for you. Uh, and if you're a for-profit social enterprise like we are, uh, especially technology-enabled one, you know, we're looking at, uh, obviously there's innovation grants and that's what we tapped into. Um, there's very favorable tax incentives for for-profit companies uh, to do R&D efforts. So uh, there's a company program, there's a, a Canadian program called Shred which is basically, I believe, one of the most favorable tax credits in the world to do your R&D, where you get 35% of basically your eligible spend back, um, which is amazing. Um, so there are, there are things that you can do, but it really depends on the model you decide to incorporate under, because a lot of that, there are a lot of stipulations, a lot of different funding sources that are only available to one different, the, 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 Different, they're available to the entity that you're using, right? So okay. you have to be very mindful when you set up your social enterprise, the model you take, right? If you think you're going to be scalable, technology, probably for profit. If you think it's, if you think it's going to be really heavily dependent on maybe grant revenue, um, if you don't think it's nearly, if you don't think you maybe get private investment, but you think that you know you you're doing tremendously uh, great social work, but at the same time has some form of business model, maybe it's more of a, a nonprofit charitable social enterprise. I mean, it really depends. It's something that you have to as a social entrepreneur. Uh, I know for us, it, it took us a lot of thinking sure. to land on what we want it to be. Sure. And so it's def definitely making those making those decisions early on. And I, I would imagine that as you go for any kind of grant funding, whether it's the big sort of structural government funding or other more local support, you've got to be really good at kind of telling your story. Now, now obviously, when you work with um, Home Depot, you work with Walmart, you work with Scotiabank, just to name three of the companies on, currently on the website. I mean, did you find early on that they instantly understood what you were offering? Or was that concept of social hiring, opportunity youth, completely new? And how did you get over or get that understanding over to them? Yeah, you know, I would say yes and no. I think that it was typically within any company, for the most part, there are always people who understand it. Sure. And then there are almost undeniably people who don't understand it. <laughs> so I think, I think for us, it's it's not necessarily that a company itself doesn't understand. I think that there are at every single company, 
there, you know, whether it's in the CSR department, whether it's in the HR department, there are always people who immediately they click and they go, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And when people look at the, the traditional metrics, especially because we're such an early stage company, it does, it is hard for us to then go out and compete with the Indeeds and the LinkedIn's on a cost per hire basis right out of the gate. Sure. Right. So, and that's something that, you know, obviously we drive towards that. But at the same time, like, you know, what we see ourselves bring a lot of other value, a lot of other pieces to the puzzle, right? So we, yeah. you know, the fact that we're doing pre-employment and post-employment support through our network is a is something that we think that companies should be willing and wanting to pay for it because it actually adds value. Um, but some companies uh, don't see that piece uh, quite yet. Uh, so that makes it, it, sometimes the sell can be harder. Sure. Um, so it really, it, it really ranges. Um, what I would say is, for us, the biggest thing we learned was that we needed buy-in at all levels, and we needed buy-in. And, and so the story that we told, yeah, we, we've sort of pre-packaged it. We've got you know our decks and our materials, so we can kind of tell the story uh, in a sort of a conc- concise um, and, and sort of straightforward way, and we do it similarly every time. Yeah. But at the same time, we do have to craft some parts of the message a little differently depending on the audience. And we know that if we're if we're getting the sort of the CSR team excited. We may have to make sure that the HR team also is excited because the <laughs> HR team really operationalizes it, right? So, sure, and if we get the, if we get the vice president or the CHRO, the chief human resources officer, if we get them excited, we have to make sure that the talent acquisition managers who are actually doing the hiring are excited as well. Because if if everyone's not bought into it at all levels across multiple business lines, then it gets really hard for us to actually operationalize higher up in a way that's going to work for a company. So that's something that's being our biggest learning. It's the, the, the actual getting in the door and getting a sale is probably not the hard part. Okay. I think you're always going to find someone who's like, this is a good idea, yeah. you know, whether it's in CSR or HR. I think the biggest challenge we've had then is the level of, of operationalizing that we've been able to do has varied depending on how much buy-in we've gotten across levels. Sure, that, that makes sense. And certainly again, from what you've said and for other social impact businesses, it sounds like there's a real need to be flexible to be prepared to tell your story multiple different ways and different times is that sort of fair and, and fits with your experience absolutely i think that that's yeah you have to be flexible and part of it you know you have to get used to telling your story over and over and <laughs> over again and you know making adjustments to it you know occasionally and, and and that's and that's pretty normal you know for us one of the things that we're working on as well is is you know you know, we really realized that we, you know, it was the sale process was one thing, but then the implementation strategy was a whole other thing. So okay. we're working now on building, you know, every time a company signs up, a, a, a detailed implementation strategy, uh, sort of to get more buy-in from them and to make, well, you know, make our product more sticky, right? So if we, yep. if by building a strategy that you know integrates into their existing hiring strategies, but you know puts higher up as a as a part of that or key part of that. We could see, you know, higher up usage, you know, increasing and and, 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 and making sure that you know it's utilized. So, sure. so yeah, I guess in terms of telling your story, uh, it, yeah, you know, the the short answer is you're going to have to do it a lot. You're going to have to get used <laughs> to crafting it in different ways. Yeah. Uh, that, that that's not to say you can't create really, you know, beautiful materials. I mean, we've got a designer, a part time on staff who makes the most beautiful. Uh, materials and, and, and tells our story in a really nice way. You know, we t- we tell personal stories, but we also augment that with numbers. You know, we, you know, it's not enough to, to you know, some people the personal story works, some people the numbers work, and, and so, you know, some people like really beautiful materials, other people just say, show me how it works, do a demo. <laughs> I, I just want to see the, 
you know, it, it's you kind of have to figure out what works for the person you're talking to, and then and give them the the information that they want. Awesome. You have to have it all ready, though. Excellent. Uh, yeah, definitely. Prepar preparation being key. <laughs> We've talked a lot about higher up, and thank you. I've got a really good idea now. I think of where where the company is, where it's going, and certainly what value um, you're bringing to the market. What about you? Who's kind of, who is Preston, and can you sort of share what led you into working for a social impact business? Yeah, I mean, so I've been involved in social enterprise since I didn't even know the term was social enterprise. So <laughs> I was uh, I was an undergrad. I was a 19 year old student. I was at university out in Newfoundland. So I was, I was going to do my undergrad at university uh, in Newfoundland, so it was called Memorial University. And I got involved in a student organization called Enactus. And essentially, Enactus is an organization, and, and for me, it was really neat to kind of, you know, it, it's an organization to get young people to learn about business, uh, learn about leadership. But the, the model is go out and actually start uh, social purpose businesses or start uh, programs that give back to the community using business. So it was all about uh, using business as a force for good. And I got involved in like 07. I think you know really early days in terms of the terminologies of you know impact. You know I you know when I got involved in this organization called Nactus, it really it really changed my perspective on things. I got involved in, in projects that were you know creating employment for people who really needed it. Um, you know we I got to travel the world and present some of the projects that we were working on wow. and sort global events and that was really neat um, and, and really that sort of changed my mindset and I, you know at, at, at after I graduated I actually went to work at an actus in Canada I was the program director for Canada and we were you know helping about 3,000 um, young people get involved in social enterprise and so for me I think at that point I kind of knew this is what I'm gonna do um, I changed my mindset entirely <laughs> and I've been doing that type of work ever since I, I I did my own consulting for a while as well, and then I met Paul actually, who was the, the the initial founder of Higher Up, and I met him actually through one of my interviews. I was interviewing him for my own consultancy, and you know, trying to learn from him and all his work. And he told me about Higher Up, and we, you know, wouldn't stop talking about it. And then <laughs> here, here I am. So the rest is the rest is history, as they say. Thank you so much again for your time today and hopefully, I mean I've certainly become um, a lot more familiar with you and what you do and hopefully the listeners are as well and I'd really like to think that the listeners are getting inspired to consider hiring an opportunity you through yourselves. Um, one question I, I would actually imagine people are asking, having said your clients exist um, in the lines of Walmart, Home Depot, Scotiabank etc, is there a particular size company um, that can make use of your service or is it literally anyone from a couple of people in a, a new studio all the way through to the likes of Walmart and so on? Is there a, is there a size limit? Um, you know, that's a great question and, and there actually isn't anymore. So we actually did initially focus, our entire strategy was just let's go for big, large companies because that way we could, you know, with a small team, you know, onboard a few companies who would hire a lot of people, right? Because okay. we have a lot of jobs. Uh, but we recently, uh, we're, we're just rolling it out, actually, we recently uh, introduced small business pricing, and it's all now automated all through the platform. So if anyone actually wants to sign up and become a higher-up employer, there are different fees depending. The, you know, you could post one job and, and pay a job posting fee. Uh, there's also um, annual subscription fees if you're a small employer that are priced differently than our enterprise okay. clients. And uh, yeah, so we, we are now open for, for anybody who wants to use HireUp. But uh, that, that is a recent change. Cool. Uh, but it, the, the, the thing that we wanted to do is first make sure that we could, you know, support, um, you know, if we were onboarded many small businesses, we were going to have to, you know, have a lot of different employers, a lot more relationships. We wanted to make sure that 
internally we were uh, ready to, to sort of handle that and I think we're at that point now that we are so that's uh, that's sort of a recent change so if anyone's interested they can always go to our website and, and, and sign up from there uh, of course they can always reach out to me directly so emails press at higher up youth.ca um, so very happy to if anyone sends me an email um, always uh, you know happy to have a conversation chat about it and uh, cool. get them signed up What a great interview that was. Thank you so much, Preston, for your time and for introducing us to Higher Up Youth. Now, if you like the sound of what the Higher Up Youth are up to, get in contact with Preston. His email address is preston at higherupyouth.ca. I'll put that in the show notes along with a link to the website and also all of their social media handles. They sound like a great company. They're doing some really interesting things. This is going to be one to watch for the future. So that wraps it up for this very first episode of On Social Impact, the brand new podcast that celebrates and champions social impact businesses across Ontario. I really hope you've enjoyed it, and I do apologise for the couple of sound blips during the recording. We'll absolutely get the technology ironed out better next time round. So the next episode is going to be along in two weeks' time, and I'm going to have a really special guest for you lined up. I'm going to be recording it in the next couple of days. I'm really excited, but you're going to have to wait to find out who it is. So it's going to be released on the 15th of February. Keep an eye, subscribe in iTunes or your favourite podcast reader. You can also follow along on Twitter, at OnSocialImpact, or you can email me directly if you'd like to get on the show or think there's someone I really should speak to. My email, neil at OnSocialImpact.com. So thank you for joining me on this very first episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, don't forget to rate it. And I'll see you in two weeks' time. Goodbye.